This is Emmanuel God with us, the radio ministry of Emmanuel Lutheran Church in Twin Falls, Idaho. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome to our Lord's house this morning. We join together and we sing our first song. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, Have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake, forgives you all your sins. As a called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, the strength of all who trust in you, mercifully accept our prayers. And because through the weakness of our mortal nature we can do no good thing, grant us your grace to keep your commandments, that we may please you in both will and deed. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
The Old Testament reading this morning is written in Genesis, the 15th chapter, where Abram doubts the promise of God's word. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in 1 John chapter 4. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is love perfected in us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said there was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers so that he may warn them, 
lest they also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Let us pray. Gracious Lord Jesus, hold us fast in the promises of your holy word. In our last moments, Lord, in this life, hold us fast. Take us from this life into life triumphant with you. Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts of our hearts be holy and acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name, amen. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Indeed, he is risen. Our text from Luke chapter 16. The time came when the beggar died. The rich man also died and was buried. These are the words of our text, God's grace his mercy and his peace be multiplied to you now and forever through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Truly, death is the great equalizer. It does not matter who you are, rich or poor, male or female, young or old, death plays no favorites. Everyone dies. Oh, you might cheat death for 70 or 80 years if you have the strength, but death will find you one day. We all know this, but today's text reminds us. It keeps it fresh in our minds. We will most certainly die. Moses died. He lived to be 120 years old. Did you realize that Moses was 80 years old when he went back to Egypt to lead God's people out of Egypt? So much for retirement for Moses. <laughs> but even this great man of God could not escape the icy, cold grasp of death. And on Mount Nebo, Overlooking the promised land, Moses died and he was buried. In Psalm 90, Moses writes these words to you and me. He says, God sweeps men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. We finish our years with a moan. In other Bible passages, we read these words about death. For the wages of sin is death. From dust you were taken, and to dust you shall return. It is appointed unto man once to die, and then to face the judgment. The soul who sins is the one who will die. But death is not the end, right? There is a day of resurrection. There is a day when Jesus will return. 
There is a day when Jesus will raise everyone from the dead. Unbelievers will rise from the dead, and believers in Jesus, like you and me, we too, will rise from the dead on that day. Listen, listen to the way St. Paul says it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done in the body, whether good or bad. So everyone rises from the dead and stands before Jesus on the day of judgment. That day is fast approaching. Almost here, the kingdom of God is near. But there is more to this. God created you, body and soul. In Genesis, at the beginning, God created Adam from the dust of the ground, and then he breathed into Adam the breath of life, And he gave to Adam a body and a soul. So when you die, your body returns to the ground from which it was taken. And when you die, your soul is immediately with Jesus. Why is your soul with Jesus? Well, because you believe in Jesus. By grace, you are saved. Grace, free and boundless. And being with Christ is better by far than this fallen world. For our soul at death to be with Jesus truly is gain for you and me. Think about it. In that moment, our soul is with Christ our Savior. Our soul is at peace. We have joy. We have rest like we have never known before. And that's where We want to be. But the soul of the unbeliever at death is immediately without Christ. It is a place where God is not. It is a bad place. There is no peace there, only wailing and weeping and gnashing of teeth. You you don't want to be there. You don't. And then one day when Jesus returns, he will raise your body from the dead. And your body and soul will be joined together again in an instant, in the blink of an eye, in the snap of a finger. Jesus raises you and joins your body and soul back together. It's quick, like a flash of lightning. It's done in an instant. It doesn't take Jesus minutes or hours or days or years or thousands of years to rejoin your body and soul. The Lord of creation does it in a moment. Isn't that exciting? I can't wait. It's wonderful what our Lord has in store for us. And then, then you stand before the risen Jesus who will judge all people. And in an instant, in the blink of an eye, in the snap of a finger, Jesus will separate the believers from the unbelievers And the body and soul of believers will be with Christ forever. And the body and soul of unbelievers will be without Christ forever. That state or existence, when our body and soul are separated at death, is called the intermediate state. It is the time between our death and the resurrection of our body from the dead. 
And it is that state, that intermediate state, that Jesus is talking about in the text this morning. In this text, there is a rich man and a poor man. Both of them die. Their bodies are buried to wait for the resurrection. The soul of the poor man is immediately at Abraham's side. It's another way of saying that he is with Christ in heaven. But the soul of the rich man is in agony. His soul is in hell immediately upon his death. Now at this point, I want to stop and I want to chase a rabbit. I want to chase a rabbit down the hole of purgatory. Notice in our text that both men die. Immediately, both men are either in heaven or in hell. There is no purgatory. There is no purgatory for believers, a place for them to be cleaned up to get ready for heaven. Purgatory is a teaching of man's imagination. And it robs you and me, the Christian, of our joy in Christ. And it replaces it with fear of the intermediate state between death and the resurrection. The teaching of purgatory goes like this. It is said that purgatory is the final purification of those who believe in Jesus. So the purpose of purgatory is to achieve the holiness necessary for you and me to enter into heaven. So purgatory is a place where you make satisfaction with God for the sins you have committed in this life. Your suffering and purgatory purifies you and saves you and gets you ready for heaven. If purgatory is true, who needs Jesus? If you can pay the debt of your sin and make satisfaction for your sins in purgatory then the innocent suffering and death of Jesus on the cross is absolutely unnecessary. If you can satisfy God's wrath over your sins through purgatory, then who needs Jesus? The teaching of purgatory says that the blood of Jesus is not enough to make you holy. The holiness or righteousness of Jesus given to you in the waters of holy baptism is not enough to make you blameless before God. What Jesus said was finished isn't really finished at all if there is a place of purgatory. If God must purify you some more with fire and agony and torment to cleanse you of your sins. In that time of purgatory, it might take a long time for some of us. Thousands and thousands of years, and some might just have a short time. Well, this teaching about purgatory really got the hair up on the back of Martin Luther's neck. The church was selling indulgences. You could pay money to the church and shorten your time in purgatory. You could even shorten the time in purgatory for your dead loved ones, too. With your money, you could do what the blood of Jesus 
couldn't do. Imagine. Your money, more valuable than the blood of Jesus, you could free a soul from purgatory. At the time of Luther, John Tetzel was a priest who was selling indulgences to get people out of purgatory. He even had a little jingle to market his product. It went something like this. When the coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Just think, you can be greater than Jesus. You can do what the blood of Jesus can't do. You can save your loved ones and yourself from purgatory. I have a jingle myself. Fork over the buck and fly like a duck to heaven. (laughs) Well, Purgatory isn't true. It is a man-made teaching that denies the full and complete forgiveness of sins that Jesus won for you. You are already declared holy and blameless in God's sight for Jesus' sake. The work of your salvation is finished complete. And when you die your body will return to the ground from which it was taken and your soul will not go to purgatory. It will immediately, immediately in an instant, in a heartbeat, it will be with Christ. There is no such place as purgatory. So back to our text. What is the point Jesus is making? His point is not that rich people go to hell and poor people go to heaven. That's not the point. It is not that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. No. And it's not about purgatory at all. Some people might want you to believe and think that it is, but not Jesus. Why did both men die? Both men died because the wages of sin is death. Both men die because they are sinners. Both of them. Both of them fall short of the glory of God. Neither one of them could earn or merit the salvation of God. Neither the rich man nor Lazarus was good. Both of them were bad. Both of them were enemies of God. Both of them were, by nature, objects of God's wrath. So why did Lazarus go to heaven and the rich man goes to hell? One man had saving faith in the promises of God and the other man didn't. One took God at his word and the other one didn't. One believed and the other one didn't. When the rich man dies, he goes to hell because he does not believe the promises of God's word. It is not because he is rich. It is not because he was bad. He is in hell because he did not believe God's word of forgiveness and mercy and salvation. And we see his unbelief in the story that Jesus tells. Remember, the rich man asks Abraham to send Lazarus to his brothers to warn them about the agony of hell. He doesn't want his brothers to suffer like him in the intermediate state or for all of eternity in hell. And Abraham says 
No, he's not going to send Lazarus. Instead, Abraham says, they have Moses and the prophets. In other words, they have the word of God. Let them listen to them. That's what Abraham says. And listen to how the rich man responds to Abraham. The rich man says, no. No to Moses and the prophets. No, Father Abraham, he says. You see, this rich man has no confidence in the promises of God's word. He has no faith. And so he doesn't trust what God's word says. So he wants Lazarus to be sent back from the dead. And Jesus says, even if someone rises from the dead, which he did, they will not believe. So you see, even in hell, still in hell, the rich man is an unbeliever. He doesn't trust God's word to save his brothers from hell. As a Jew, during his lifetime, the rich man heard the word of God. But he did not listen to it, and he did not take it to heart. He rejected the word of God and did not believe the promises of God's mercy, forgiveness, and grace. He stood there Sabbath after Sabbath, but did not believe. He is a man without faith, and that is why he is in hell. And he serves as a warning to you and me. When you sit here in God's house, the word of God is showing you your sin and showing you your Savior. The word of God is calling you to believe in Jesus and trust the promises of his word and that he will hold you fast in this life and all the way through death and into eternity. Dear friends, do not despise the word of God. Do not be like the rich man and reject the salvation that God's word gives. God's word is living and active. It works repentance and faith in you and me. It gives you forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life. It saves you from the agony of hell. And it opens to you the doors of heaven. It brings to you forgiveness. Forgiveness for every sin. Even the sin of neglecting the word of God. On the other hand, the word of God did its work in poor Lazarus, didn't it? It gave him saving faith in the promises of God. He, he took God at his word and he, was, and he believed and he was saved. But the rich man does not believe and spends eternity in hell. You have Moses and the prophets. <laughs> More than that, you have the very word of God himself. You have Jesus. Jesus who is the word made flesh. And Jesus does his work in you and me. He saves us from unbelief. He gives us saving faith. He sustains and keeps you and me in this faith to life eternal. Like Lazarus, the poor man, we believe and we are saved. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth on him shall be saved will not perish, but will have everlasting life. You have everlasting life. For Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. 
And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to join with me as we speak together our Christian faith. We use the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Jesus, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.